Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So we've got a new report from the Wall Street Journal about a company that just went bust that had $30 billion in assets. And they were in the commercial real estate space. And they were not only buying up commercial real estate in the United States, but also in Europe and several different places around the world. And you say, George, oh, real estate's just local, local, local. These prime properties, they're going to be fine no matter how bad the downturn gets. Uh, think again, because that was their business model. They were going out and they were buying all of these marquee assets in places like New York City. And they found out that that didn't work too well. But I think the broader question, and most of you who watch my videos will know this, is not just what this implies or what this means for the commercial real estate market, uh, but more so what it means for the banks, the banking system, and not just the regional banks, because we all know that, it, that all these banks are connected. It's one network. And therefore, if commercial real estate has problems, the banking system, even if it's the regionals, will have problems because the perceived risk in the system goes up. So even if the Fed comes out and does more QE or whatever, that doesn't mean that there's going to be more liquidity in the system because the banks will just sit there and say, oh, yeah, that's uh, great. Oh, boy, man. We've got an extra $5 billion in reserves and we have an extra $5 billion in liabilities. That's nice. Are we going to go out there and lend? Absolutely not. Why? All about risk. So let's get into the specifics here, guys. We've got an article, like I said, Wall Street Journal. And this is actually, it kind of gives you a visual of how, you know, this stuff never really sinks in. It seems rather abstract. It doesn't seem real because we're talking about all these numbers and billions and trillions and reserves and blah, 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 blah. But when you see a building like this that will remain in this state, you see, this was a big building that this group Cigna uh, was constructing, I believe, in Germany. And just like we saw it in the GFC, half-finished building over there, half-finished house over there, half-finished apartment complex over there. Because right in the middle of the project, they have to pull the cord because they go bust or they find out that, hey, there's not going to be any tenants or like with residential real estate, hey, there's not going to be any buyers. So the title, The Spectacular Crash of a $30 billion property empire. And this guy, Rene Banco, they go into some, he did some, is convicted of a couple of things. I don't think that, I don't know why they even included that. It's not really relevant to the story. It's not, it's not like what they're saying is that he committed some sort of fraud and that that's why they went bust. Uh, I mean, they kind of insinuate that in a certain certain areas but the bottom line is he's just fell victim to what we talk about on this channel all the time it is thought that the oh my gosh the economy's booming the economy's booming the economy's booming in 2021 and 2022 so there's a buy 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 pay any price and then they get the old rug pull because they didn't look at the yield curve because they didn't understand that this was just temporary that this was simply a sugar rush but this is the guy right here Rene Banco. Banco's sprawling $30 billion empire of trophy real estate. Trophy real estate and department stores has imploded into the biggest property bankruptcy in Europe since the global financial crisis. I think that's a big deal. And I'd like to point out that, yes, this was a European com company, but they had properties all over, including the United States. Listen to this. 
The mess threatens to unleash significant losses on scores of lenders, banks. So if this unleashes significant losses on scores of banks, I wonder what that does to the perceived risk. I make it go up or down. And investors and freeze half-built developments in numerous city centers. Here's where we get to the United States. Stakes in Manhattan's Chrysler building, upscale British retailer, Selfridge. So to, to be clear, guys, they're not just buying the building, but they're also buying the tenants that are in the building. A lot of these actual businesses. So you can see how they can manipulate or maybe massage the numbers would be would be a better way of saying it to make it seem like they're making more money than they actually are. On paper, they might have a, a gain and they're doing this why? Just make the stock price go higher. So that point that I'm trying to make is it's not just commercial real estate here. What did WeWork do? It's the exact same stupid game. We saw this, and I believe we're still seeing it today, where these businesses are like, oh, profit, uh, revenue? Who cares? Let's just get our TAM up, total addressable, total addressable market. Let's just get all these metrics up that will prompt people, retail, and we'll just push this narrative so they'll buy our stock, 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 and we don't even have to worry. If you think about it, they, they have a perverse incentive that actually makes sense, right? Because making profit is actually hard, believe it or not. Running a business is difficult. So why on earth would you run a business or do something that's hard when you could do something just easy by pumping your share price through all of this these financial shenanigans? It might not be illegal, but just pumping your share price with effectively financial engineering. If the retail investor is too, is gullible enough to go ahead and buy this narrative, it's what it's become here is everything. And we're having to pay the fiddler now in terms of commercial real estate. It's all just narrative driven. It's a, everyone out there is just allocating capital based on some sales pitch instead of reality, fundamentals, revenue, and profit. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options, Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Getting back to it here. So they bought Selfridge, uh, I guess a company, sporting goods groups in the United States and Europe. Uh, auctioneers are now selling off their, all of this stuff. Okay, that doesn't really matter. Uh, but what they do is they point out to this picture that we saw at the beginning. This is the Hamburg Tower, which is halted. A 330-foot tall concrete stump is all that's <laughs> left. Jeez. So here is the what they're calling the ownership tree. 
And this is where it gets a little murky, but I don't know that they're really doing anything that other conglomerates are not doing. Uh, it, uh, it During fundraising, the way they're pitched to investors was, and again, it's just this narrative that obviously people bought into, even sophisticated investors, believe it or not. So Cigna told investors it was offering conservative, low-debt investments in iconic properties to be held for generations. It almost sounds like the pitch that you heard with these uh, crypto lenders. Investors said they have since learned through Cigna's legal filings, the company had far more debt than they knew. Many were invested in discrete parts of the larger company, unaware of convoluted cross investments, larger amounts of borrowing, hundreds of vehicles. So they try to weave in this component. I don't know why the Wall Street Journal is doing this. They're trying to weave in this component like, oh, well, there was some shady stuff going on. But I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, the, the broad message, or regardless of whether or not they're doing shady stuff, if you've got assets that you pay too much for and your revenues go down and the value of your property goes down, well, that takes you pretty close to having negative equity. That means you're bust, regardless of what you're doing over here with the books, which I'm not saying is good, but I don't think that's the real problem here. Some of Banco's associates disagree that Cigna's structure was a fault. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I forgot about this part. So yeah, they're kind of agreeing with me here, but rather see the implosion as, as a result of herd behavior by lenders. No disputing they do that. Former Austrian Chancellor Alfred Gusenbauer, who served on Sigma Company board, told Austrian State Radio in January that the group overextended in retail draining cash and that the European Central Bank told banks not to provide any more financing. God, why? Risk. And even if the ECB says don't do this, look, if the risk reward makes sense, they're going to figure out a way to do it, either through that bank or a subsidiary. They're going to get some cut of the action. So then they talk about this guy's personal history, which I don't think really matters. One key to Cigna's growing empire was financial maneuver in which Benko's companies functioned both as landlord and tenant. Again, I don't think this is illegal, but it just goes to show you the financial engineering that's going on at this level. But I don't think it's just with real estate companies. I think the chickens are going to come home to roost on this with uh, companies in tech, with uh, a lot of publicly traded companies. The extra rental income. Okay, so what they did basically is they owned a lot of the tenants and then they would go ahead and up the rents. And what this did is it gave a higher multiple to the actual building, a much higher multiple than the decrease in multiple from the department store actually paying the higher rent. So they called this, according to one employee, they called it multiple arbitrage. So if you've got a business and it's paying more rent, well, it may have a, let's say an 11 multiple and it may be paying more rent. Maybe that didn't even affect it, but say that it went down to 10, where if you have all this additional rent going to this building, because you've got leverage on top of that building as well, uh, the multiple goes up and therefore you return on your capital that's been allocated just goes through the roof. So this gentleman pushed into the US in 2019 with a splashy purchase. Cigna and the partner paid about 150 million for the Chrysler building, giving each a 50% stake photos Art Deco skyscraper went up on Cigna's offices. As they grew, Cigna's real estate companies boosted high profits on paper, at least. Cigna called itself the best performing real estate company in Europe. <laughs> I mean, it's just the same cycle. And that over and over and over and over. 
how many companies have we heard are going to disrupt X, Y, and Z? Oh my gosh, this is a disruptive company. Remember when Chamath, Mr. Spack himself, came out and said on CNBC that Open Door was going to disrupt the real estate business. And that was the first time that I knew he was completely full of, of, of BS. And I knew, okay, this guy's not really a, a serious business person or an investor. He's just basically a salesman. And because that's one thing that I know very, very well is real estate. And I knew what Open Door did and everything that he was saying was just total and utter nonsense. And, uh, but uh, look, it's not just with these SPACs. It, the exact same thing has been happening with a lot of the companies, maybe even some of the top seven that are in, or what are they calling them? The Magnificent Seven. And a lot of these companies in the S&P 500. So point here is if we do get to a recession, if the yield curve is, is correct once again, unemployment rate goes up. Like Warren Buffett says, you're going to see who has been swimming naked. The chickens come home to roost. And when that happens, if we are to assume that risk, perceived risk goes up, that means money becomes tight regardless of what's happening with interest rates. And then it exacerbates the problem that already exists. So they say all of Cigna's profits over that period were from paper gains. Cigna marked up the value in its properties, $4 billion. So they didn't have any cash. Well, they did a little bit of cash flow coming in. But uh, they're like, oh my gosh, look at how much money we're making. Because what they were doing is they were just marking up the value on the real estate they owned. In the same period, Cigna Prime, Cigna Prime spent more on interest payments and dividends, $1.9 billion than the $1.6 billion received in rent revenue. That's got to be, hopefully that's net revenue. I mean, if that's gross rental net revenue, that's, Wow. That might not even be a positive number. Pushing up values was key focus with the company. Of course it was. And that's one hell of a chart. Look at this. Profits. And, and it doesn't this tell the story of today's day and age? Honestly, isn't this basically a snapshot of what investing, quote unquote, has turned into? Where we've got the, the gray bar are profits. Profits. Actual cash flow. Profits that are coming in from uh, before value adjustments, and then we get the after adjustments. So what the people that are just lapping up this narrative are just looking at the gold bar and say, whoa, 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 look at this growth, growth, growth. Oh my gosh, this is a no-brainer. This is free money. This is a, a risk-free investment. Look at they're buying up all of these marquee properties, all the best, the Chrysler, Chrysler building. This is a Boy, oh boy, an investment that I just want to give to my kids. Be why? Because people's view of reality is so twisted. It's been so distorted that they actually think that profits and revenue don't matter. The only thing that matters to me is that number go up, meaning share price. So I can just sell it to a greater fool. And then you see how this usually ends with the gold bar just absolutely collapsing. When ironically, they actually turned a profit. <laughs> Ah, jeez, oh, Karma, karma. So basically this uh, head of European research at Green Street says their portfolio makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. At least the valuations that were being given to them in 2021, which was par for the course back then. But if you're asking yourself, George, why does this matter now? Because we're starting to see the cracks. We're starting to see who is swimming naked. We're starting to see the bankruptcies. This is a cycle. This is how it always plays out. And you're starting to see the least healthy 
companies right now having problems, but this just goes straight up the food chain to where you have, you've got the, the, the companies that actually were really, really, really bad. They start to go bust. Then the companies were ah, kind of on the edge. They start, and then it starts impacting the companies that were actually pretty strong. And sometimes the, the, that pulls the stronger companies down into the abyss as well. Rising paper values allowed Benko to boast of low debt ratios hovering around 50% of building values. So you know, a lot of us, or a lot of the people in the mainstream media, they look at a bank's balance sheet as an example. There's that, this is ironclad. Are you kidding me? Look at this balance sheet. Look, they've got, they've got this metric and this metric and this metric and this metric, which all assumes that the assets in their balance sheet remain at the same price or go up. But what happens when the assets in their balance sheet that are just paper gains, really? What if they get repriced down by 50%. Now, how good does their balance sheet look? See, right now, everything is priced to perfection. We Everything is priced for a no landing. Everything is priced for unemployment to remain very, very low. Everything is priced for the Fed to cut rates, which in some sort of twisted view means that the economy is going to, the economy is off to the races. Like the economy is going to boom if the Fed drops rates not even understanding why the Fed would drop rates in the first place. But my point, all these things are priced into the market. And so if any little thing goes wrong, you get this cascading effect. And if stuff really hits the fan, then you get this doom loop where the, as an example, the unemployment rate is causing more bankruptcies. More bankruptcies are causing these valuations to compress even further, which is taking share prices down, which makes these companies lay off more people, which increases the unemployment rate. All right, so this is a story, obviously, we have to pay a lot of attention to, but I want to encourage you to look at it through the lens of not just what's happening with a specific industry or a specific market, but more so what's happening and how this impacts the bank's balance sheets, how this impacts uh, risk, and therefore how it impacts liquidity. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. See you in the next video.